Welcome listeners, you're listening to Spark My Muse, and I'm your host, Lisa DeLay. Today is Soul School Lesson 130, What to Resist and What to Welcome. There are many things that we should resist and take a moral stance against. I want you to be encouraged to resist those things, even though sometimes it's countercultural, it's not popular, or it costs us a lot. We can refuse to be moved from choosing the wrong thing. We can resist the powerful and side with the powerless for the sake of justice and putting things to rights. And we can take a posture of resistance. We can do this without violence. And we want to do this without violence because violence always eventually hurts us personally and the people we love. It always bounces back and inflicts more violence. I'm going to be speaking a little bit about how to do this, how to resist without inflicting violence upon ourselves. I think there might just be one way to continue to resist, stand up for what needs to be stood up for, and also welcome. And that is with a disposition and a posture that welcomes the types of feelings we're feeling at the time without holding them at bay. Oftentimes we take an entire posture of resistance, which includes our feelings and desires that are negative, and we push them down, we suppress them or repress them. Our circumstances can be very dire, very despairing, and we can also wind up resisting them and the feelings that go along with it. This will not sustain us for the long journey ahead for standing up for the powerless or for justice or for what needs to be stood up for in our own lives. If we suppress our natural feelings that occur, whatever they may be, joyful, excited, despairing, fearful, angry, those efforts will grind us to a point of despair or anguish or cynicism or apathy, and that will not sustain us or the people around us for the marathon that is our lives. So while I encourage resistance towards evil, towards wrongdoers, towards injustice, I also want to encourage welcome. And so what do I mean by welcome? In Cynthia Bourgeau's book, Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening, which I highly recommend, She talks about welcoming prayer. And this is quite a challenge for any of us who enjoy the feeling of control or wanting to have control in our lives and over our feelings. But I'm going to read it because it is very, very powerful. And if practiced in our lives, it can be completely transformative. There will be links to this book, as well as Cynthia's work, at the website sparkmymuse.com for Soul School Lesson 130 and at the support page patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse for Soul School Lesson 130. I really hope that you will help me support this work not just by listening in and sharing the podcast with other people and the programs with other people but also by contributing a dollar or more because you get something out of what I'm sharing with you. It really goes a long way to defray the costs of producing this show. It's a lot more than you think.
And so it really encourages me to see people donating even just a dollar. Thank you so much for doing that. Cynthia writes on page 141, the founding genius behind the welcoming prayer was a woman named Mary Morozowski, who from 1983, when she showed up at the fateful first Lama Foundation retreat until her death in 1993, was one of Thomas Keating's closest associates and a prime mover in the development and popularization of his teachings. For those privileged to know Mary, the practice is immediately recognizable and is a direct reflection of her vibrant, salty approach to spirituality. It combines deep surrender with a gutsy, unflappable presence. Mary was a New Yorker through and through, from her Brooklyn accent to her in-your-face kind of pizzazz. A divorced Catholic back in an era when such things were virtually unheard of, she supported her family through her job as an administrator in a psychiatric hospital, later offering her spare time as a literacy volunteer in the prisons. Through her work in therapy, she was familiar with the biofeedback techniques then sprouting, and on her own, she had already begun to develop a personal life practice, combining these techniques with an underlying attitude of surrender that had been deeply imprinted on her through reading Abandonment to the Divine Providence, a 17th century spiritual classic by Pierre de Cossed. When she encountered Centering Prayer and Thomas Keating's evolving teachings on the false self system, the pieces began to come together for her in a single, integrated method. The welcoming prayer was first taught at the Chrysalis House in Warwick, New York, Contemplative Outreach's first experiment in contemplative living, which she helped found. Several of the community members, particularly David Frignette and Kathy McCarthy, contributed to the fine-tuning. The practice proved so successful in bringing out real interchange that it was soon being offered far more widely throughout the network. Now, welcoming prayer involves three main ideas, a three-step process, if you will. Number one is that you focus and sink in to what is happening. You welcome that thing, and then you let it go. Might sound easy, but this is done in the throes of something that is difficult to endure, or maybe is overwhelming in some way, maybe for good or for bad. But it involves a kind of litany that I will get into soon. Cynthia also reminds us that there are these things called peacock feathers, where we get self-congratulatory over something good we might have mastered, uh, for the moment anyway. And we self-congratulate, and we get a little impressed with ourselves, and we take joy in some accomplishment that we might have done well. And this actually is counterproductive to spiritual growth and maturity. And in those moments, too, we can focus and sink in, welcome those feelings even of pride, and then let them go. And don't let them harbor and fester so that they deteriorate us in some way that hinders and inhibits our growth and faith. So during a time of fight or flight, if we're ever able to get a hold of ourselves during that moment and interrupt that stage somehow, we don't try to change anything. We just try to stay present with it. We don't try to analyze what we're thinking or wonder why we're thinking it. Instead, we are just observing. She says on page 144, spiritual practice in which separation is too mental, i.e. in which the inner observer is used primarily to dissociate from the unpleasant feelings 
rather than to experience and integrate them, will require some difficult unlearning somewhere along the line before interintegration is finally achieved. By keeping a firm grounding in physical sensation, the welcoming prayer ensures that this mistake is not made. A lot of spiritual practices involve something mental, but they don't necessarily sink deep into the felt feelings that are happening within us. And that way they create a disassociation or even a repression instead of spiritual growth. We just play the good girl or the good boy and shove away the bad feelings and try to stay good based on what we think is appropriate for the time. And we wind up having a religion of proper actions that isn't actually changing us from the inside out. So in the case of Mary, she actually had an experience where she was hit by a car when she was in Italy at the time. She was able to use the welcoming prayer in a really, in a really horrible circumstance where she was able, when she felt extreme pain, to say, welcome pain, welcome pain, and not be fearful of it, not hold it at bay, not run away from it, not disassociate it with it, but acknowledge it, pause with it, stay with it, focus with it, welcome it, and then let it go. Instead of resisting, 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 which is typically normally what we do. And we use so much energy doing that, we wear ourselves out. When we welcome something, we relent to the circumstance that is happening as it really is, and as we really are. On page 46, Cynthia writes, there is a crucial distinction between surrender as an inner attitude and as an outer practice. And we are concerned only with the former here, the inner attitude. We're not saying we have to surrender to all the circumstances outside us and just be a doormat for anyone or anything that's happening. What we're talking about is an inner surrender to the feelings that we're actually having. Instead of saying they're not happening to us, I'm going to resist them, I'm not going to feel them, or I'm going to shove them down. We're saying, no, these feelings are actually happening to me. I'm going to welcome these feelings, and I'm not going to say they don't exist. And that way we're experiencing them, painful as they might be, but by allowing them to exist and welcoming them and experiencing them, we're very fearful of doing that. We can not go into a a kind of repression of these things where they will pop up later as anger or rage or cynicism. Now, once you are rightly aligned, then you can decide what you're going to do in the outer world. Being able to stop yourself, focus on what is bothering you, stay with that feeling and then welcome it, gives you back your freedom of choice. Then you can decide what you want to do in your actions in the exterior world. Without being able to stop, pause, and focus on what's happening and your feelings that are happening to you, you lose your free will and you become sort of mechanized and in the fight or flight stage, in a reaction, reactive stage, uh, just kind of a slave to your own expressions and reflexes so that you will just respond in, in a, maybe an angry outburst or maybe in shutting down, maybe in running away and fleeing the scene or shoving that feeling and burying it far far beneath the surface where you can't notice it anymore and no one else will be the wiser. People think you just got over it, but there it'll still be. Now the letting go is the part of the real work. It's actually accomplished in the first two steps. You stay with them 
rather like needing a charley horse, Cynthia says on page 147, needing a charley horse in your leg, going back and forth between focusing and welcoming until the knot begins to dissolve of its own accord. And yes, letting go is also just for now. It's not a final forever renunciation of your anger or your fear. It is simply a way of gently waving farewell as the emotion starts to recede. If you simply can't, in good conscience, move to the next step, don't fake it. The bulk of the work has already been accomplished. In the short way of doing this welcoming prayer, you simply say something like, I let go of my anger, or if you prefer, I give my anger to God. Or I enjoy doing a little of both as I let go of my anger and I give it to God. Now, Mary Marzowski, however, preferred a more complex and invariable litany. When it became time to proceed to this third step after the welcoming, she would use the following formula to help her. She would say, and this can be very hard to do if you're clutching on to your desires. And I realized for myself, this is actually exceptionally hard for me to do. I was convicted of this, and I realized I had to double my efforts and really relinquish. Mary would say, I let go of my desire for security and survival. I let go of my desire for esteem and affection. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire to change the situation. Now, at first blush, if you are thinking, I can't say any of those things. I, I do have a desire for security and survival and esteem and affection, power and control, and I do want to change my situation. I do have those desires. You're letting go of your desire to control things and you relinquish the energy it takes to keep all those balls in the air. You give that over to God and you exhale and you breathe. The weight has been lifted off your shoulders. This welcoming prayer, first you welcome the hard thing. Perhaps it's fear. Say if you have cancer and you're afraid to die. You are accepting that you're afraid, which is very normal. So you might just say, I welcome the fear. You wouldn't be welcoming the cancer, of course, but you would be welcoming the fear of it or the fear of death. And you could welcome that because God will help you through it. If you welcome it, you are not resisting it and using your energy to resist it or repress it and shove it away or bury it. You are not going to use your energy for that anymore. You're just going to welcome what you already fear. You're going to welcome what you already feel be honest and acknowledge it and not pretend anymore that it's not there and allow it to just be what it is and be what you are. And then you're going to let it go. By letting it go, you're going to be saying, I let go of my desire for security and survival. I let go of my desire for esteem and affection. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire to change the situation. And by saying those things, you get your power back because you are not going to be a victim of your desires. You're going to be empowered by getting your free choice back. On page 148, Cynthia writes, what is most fascinating to me about this practice is how powerfully it frees up energy. 
we usually don't realize just how much of our vital life energy is bound up and unconsciously leached away in those energy centers. One thing you may notice, there's a kind of feedback loop. Energy generated in useless identified emotion simply gets reabsorbed into those unconscious false self programs that keep us working hard toward wanting to feel in power and control, secure and able to survive, and esteemed and given affection. And thinking that we can affect our situations more than we really can. We use a lot of energy in those programs of fulfillment and happiness. But when we give up those desires to continue in those ways, we free up all this energy that we've been using in resistance with that. The energy of your being remains bound at a frequency too slow and too self-preoccupied to sustain real inner awakening. The classic saying in inner work is, as your being increases, your receptivity to higher meaning increases. As your being decreases, old meanings return. A false self-system is a system working at a low level of being, which is why it remains so mechanical and viciously self-reinforcing. With its vital energy largely locked up in its defenses, there is little left over to reach escape velocity into real awakened consciousness, which both requires and produces a higher level of spiritual vibrancy than we're used to. In the welcoming prayer, the energy normally bound up in identification is suddenly, vitally freed. Sometimes so dramatically, you can almost hear a whoosh, and the influx of this new energy is immediately experienced as a deepening and vitalization of your innermost being. I hope that some of this made some sense to you. You may need to re-listen to this program over again, and I hope also purchase Cynthia Bourgeau's work, Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening, to get a fuller idea of what she means by surrendering and welcoming prayer and inner awakening. What is so interesting to me about resistance and welcoming prayer is that we can have more energy freed up to stand our ground when our conscience is pricked and yet be aware of all the negative feelings that might come up when our sense of unjustness has been aroused, our sense of unrighteousness has been aroused. Say someone has been mistreated and you feel anger and you feel resentment. You don't have to push that away or push it down. You can say, I welcome the anger. I welcome the resentment and stay with it. And then say, I let my desire go. I let my desire go to be angry. I let my desire go to be resentful. I let my desire go to be in control of any situation. And that is the most realistic kind of prayer we can pray, that we become ourselves and that we let God handle it. And we join in God's work in whatever way we can. But we don't think that we have omnipotence and the ability to change all the outcomes, but we can join in what God is already doing. And we don't have the ability to be a savior like God is a savior. But we do have the ability to stand firm 
we do have the ability to stop and recognize what we're feeling, feel it, and let it go. We do have the ability to control ourselves, pay attention, listen, be aware, and be like water, which moves around its environment and yet affects its environment. It doesn't work like a bulldozer, but it will follow the natural terrain that it's in and yet change it, smooth out all the rough edges too. And like water, we can adjust and yet be the one who adjusts. And that way we can sustain for the long term what it takes to be change agents in the world without compromising our soul, without compromising our health and our well-being and the relationships around us. If you have any questions for me about this or any of my other programs, I welcome your comments and your suggestions and your correspondence. You can contact me at contact at sparkmymuse.com or go to the website sparkmymuse.com and use the contact page. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be here next week with a new episode for you to listen to. God bless.